Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Ready to Pop, the ultimate pregnancy podcast with me, Caroline Foran. So this is the second episode in my eight-part series, and I am thrilled to have the support of luxury organic Irish beauty and lifestyle brand Voya for this particular episode. I've always adored the brand, but I've been using and loving their product range from mothers to be, particularly their Mama Oil, which is a stretch mark minimizing body oil as my belly grows bigger every week. I think from the moment you find out you're pregnant, it's just so important to start prioritizing your own self-care and really look after yourself. Voya's product range ensures this never ever feels like a chore, but rather the ultimate luxury experience of indulgence at home, and I can't recommend them enough, and you absolutely deserve it. And don't even get me started on their candles. Be sure to follow me on Instagram as well, at Caroline Foran, as along with this episode, I will be giving one lucky listener a gorgeous Voya hamper to enjoy. So at this stage in the hypothetical pregnancy journey that we're on in Ready to Pop, we are going to assume that you've had a positive pregnancy test. Massive congratulations. I'm over the moon to be joined by the very lovely Dr. Sarah Murphy. She's a doctor obstetrics and gynecology to get a bird's eye view of your pregnancy as a whole, as well as honing in on helping you cope particularly with that first trimester, which can be quite tough and a little bit isolating. I wish I had this episode myself back when I got those two positive lines on the stick. So I really hope you find it helpful and do enjoy. Dr. Sarah Murphy, thank you so, so much for being my guest on Ready to Pop. And for this episode, we're going to assume now that the listener has had a positive pregnancy test. And we're looking at pregnancy at a glance, as well as coping with the first trimester in particular. But before we get into the chat, and there's an awful lot to, to chat about, can I ask you just to start by telling me a little bit about your background and your expertise? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm so glad to be on the podcast. So I am um, a doctor working in Ireland in the National Trinity Hospital at the moment. Um, and I'm doing subspecialty training in obstetrics and gynecology. So this is kind of my area. Um, and I'm just about to finish my master's in obstetrics and gynae and then have a diploma in, in women's health. So this, this is really what I'm interested in. This is what I love. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're right there in the thick of it. And this is all, I mean, you're, you're all day, every day you're consuming this information. So all my questions for you should, should come easy. Hopefully. <laughs> so pregnancy is one of, if not probably the biggest physical change a woman can go through in her lifetime. I know it has been for me. And when you're just finding out that you're pregnant, you know, obviously if it's what you wanted and you're, you're happy about it, it can be very exciting, but it can also be super overwhelming to process, you know, everything that's going to happen, the physical change, the, the lifestyle change and what the next nine months will bring. And um, so with this episode, I really wanted to give people a, a bit of a bird's eye view of the typical pregnancy journey. Um, so if, if it's okay with you, we'll start at the very beginning. And I'm going to ask you, so when you find out that you're pregnant, you're actually already considered four weeks pregnant typically, is that right? Yeah, exactly. So what we do, you're working off the assumption that your period was four weeks ago. And that's kind of what we assume. Now, I suppose the caveat with that is if you've really irregular periods, it can be a bit difficult. Um, And if we'll say, for example, it was an unplanned pregnancy and someone was on the oral contraceptive pill and hasn't had a period, that makes it a little bit difficult too. So we try to get an idea of what you might be from working out when the last period was and go off that. And then when you get your 12 week scan, 
the dates might be changed a little bit but yeah that's the basic idea of what you work off of Okay. And um, pregnancy tests at home these days are like really high quality. I know when I went, I went to the, my GP um, as I thought I just, you know, should book in as soon as I found out. And I, I thought she was going to do like another test to confirm, but she said, to be honest, the tests at home now are just as good. So do you need to confirm your test or have it confirmed by a doctor? You don't. So um, like just what your GP said, the tests now that you can get in shops and do at home are really, really accurate. Um, but I suppose it's still a great idea to go to your GP because um, what they're going to do is refer you into the maternity hospital of your choice. And they're also going to be providing you care during your pregnancy. So it's no harm to link in with them anyway, but it's not necessary, if that makes sense. Okay. And is that something, I mean, if you're going to start thinking about um, what hospital you want to go to, that's something you want to decide in the first few weeks or at least get some advice on to so go into your GP when as probably as, as soon after you find out would be wise would you say absolutely so you're going to come to the hospital routinely for the first time around 12 weeks so okay that and I suppose that isn't that long because you might only find out you're pregnant at six seven eight weeks so mm. a great idea then to pop into your GP they can have a chat with you sometimes it's just logistically what hospital is closest to you um but you can there's loads of online forums and some of your friends might have been pregnant so you can have a discussion with them and see where you'd like best to to go with your pregnancy is it is it more common to find out that you're pregnant as soon as you've missed a period and again uh, yes and no so I suppose definitely if you're if you're trying for a pregnancy then you're definitely waiting for that missed period and doing a pregnancy test immediately if you're not necessarily trying you mightn't realize you've missed a period but also if your periods are irregular um and some women some women have periods every six weeks so you know they might be past that six week mark before they even realize a period has been missed so not always okay and from the minute you find out you're pregnant um you're going to start thinking okay there's a lot of changes I'm going to need to make first of all I'm not going to have that espresso martini but is there anything is there anything immediate that you think people should be mindful of if they've just found out so like things like medications that maybe wouldn't be suitable or anything to be mindful of so kind of the the, med- the medications you'd be really concerned with um and I'm thinking I'm kind of talking about things like blood thinners and epilepsy those people who are on those are usually linked with a doctor who would probably have given them advice in regards to pregnancy so women who have diabetes epilepsy um a history of blood clots they're usually advised to change their medications before they even think of getting pregnant so there's a lot of work behind the scenes there before you even get pregnant okay um for women who are generally health healthy and well um there isn't a lot you have to do so obviously we advise not to drink during pregnancy um and not to smoke and i suppose sometimes those especially with smoking that's easier said than done but if yeah. you can try and eliminate those from your lifestyle then that's brilliant or if you can get advice on how to eliminate them that's brilliant um in terms of medications if you're not on any that's brilliant um and then you can have a quick look so things like paracetamol are fine um you know if you're if you're on vitamins that's also fine um but if there's anything you're on and you're not sure about not sure about you not sure about you can sure about you can just other than that it's just kind of listening to your body so you know i would say you don't have to make any major changes with your diet yeah um, there's yeah there's certain things we we say to avoid so there are things like um soft cheese or sushi it's kind of things that aren't fully cooked or that there's an increased risk of having bacteria in it because we do know that pregnant women can get a lot sicker okay and um, on the tablet side of things um i remember learning pretty quickly that I think I had like a bit of a blocked nose and I wanted um what's that tablet that you take to uh 
like a Sudafed and then it was like oh actually that's not suitable during pregnancy or I was taking um L-lysine for because I, I was getting cold sores um and then it was like oh I don't know if that's suitable so is it like it should say it on the if it's a supplement or something it should say on the bottle right exactly the only caveat I would have with that is I suppose in pregnancy we're very very cautious and there are sometimes that certain medications say check with your doctor first um and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not safe it's just it's more the company as was covering themselves yeah. if there's anything you're not sure about i would ask your midwife or doctor in the hospital or ask your gp um because sometimes i suppose the back of packets can also can nearly have too many warnings if that makes sense i mean i think sometimes your doctor is the best person to advise you okay perfect um this probably seems like a very obvious question but it was it was confusing to me in that Pregnancy lasts typically 40 weeks, right? And you're considered, you're considered full term at 37. So you could go at 37 weeks. And you're also kind of pregnant for what I've realized is like 10 months. So what's going on there? <laughs> so I suppose what we do just to get a nice little ballpark is we, we give you your due date and your due date is given to you when you are 40 weeks pregnant. But we can't expect everybody to do the exact same thing. So a full-term pregnancy is anything from 37 to 42 weeks and any woman who delivers within that time frame we'd consider normal or full-term. Um, so for some women that might only mean that you're pregnant for kind of eight and a bit months and for some women that brings you up to almost 10 months but it's all within the spectrum of normal. Okay and in this day and age um, would you ever be let go past 42 weeks? Probably not. Yeah. Yes and no I suppose. <laughs> Ultimately as a woman, you, it is your choice what you do with your body and your pregnancy. Okay. So we would advise women to, if they have not gone into labor by 42 weeks, to elect for an induction of labor. And that's where we give you some medications to try and bring on the labor. Um, and the reason for that is, I suppose, the placenta, the, the thing that's um, the afterbirth, the thing that's connected to you and the baby, we think that that kind of has a shelf life. And after 42 weeks, there's some evidence that it doesn't work as well. Okay. Um, and we do see that the risk of stillbirths, unfortunately, can go up after 42 weeks. Now, there are some women who do not want to be induced. Um, and ultimately, that is their decision. We, we cannot force an induction on anyone. So we'll recommend and strongly recommend an induction at 42 weeks. But ultimately, it's a woman's decision what she does. OK, I know myself anyway. I think if I was at 42 weeks, I'd be like, get out. I need to I need, I want to feel like myself again. Um, OK, and then this again will seem like a really obvious question to you. But the, the trimesters, I was thinking of three groups of 12 weeks but that wouldn't be enough for a full pregnancy so just to, to clarify the first trimester is weeks 1 to 12 yep and the second one is longer 12 to 28 yeah exactly and then the last one is 28 to, to whenever you go exactly yeah absolutely so okay. it's kind of the way we'll discuss pregnancies you'll hear us say you might hear sometimes t1 t2 t3 or you'll say oh you're in the second trimester and that's the way we'll we'll kind of talk about pregnancies okay and is, as well in terms of like people like to say how many months pregnant they are um i was i was unsure at when i was going into 31 weeks and i was googling it and it was like oh you could be seven or eight months pregnant and then i'm like but i've got like two months or more to go so it's is the month you're better off going by weeks than months yeah absolutely because even I don't really register months so if when I hear a woman tell me how many months she is I nearly have to go and divide it by four because everything we do 
is via weeks. So okay. I think weeks is kind of the better terminology that we go off of. Okay, so the key pregnancy milestones, if people are thinking, okay, what what have I got in store for me? Um, let's assume that someone is going through the public health system here. Um, every every woman will, will typically get a scan at 12 weeks. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And this, I suppose, again, is, is everything going well and everything's going routinely. Um, so you will have seen your GP and they'll have referred you into your hospital of choice and then you'll come and see us around 12 weeks. I, I mean, that might be 11 and it might be 13, but in yeah. around that. And why why 12 weeks? Yeah. Um, th- so this is where we date your pregnancy. And I suppose as well, unfortunately, in the first trimester, so from zero to 12 weeks, there is um, it's the highest risk of miscarriage. So anything from one to four or one in five women will miscarry. Um, and I suppose once you get to that 12 weeks, it's almost a safer period mm-hmm. um and it's the time i suppose that we're we're happier that the pregnancy is going to continue um and that's when we see you um and confirm the pregnancy and confirm your date so that's kind of the reason for that that time period and obviously i mean miscarriage is something nobody wants to think about but as you said it's it's very real and it's very common um what is what is it, the rates of does it drop off after 12 weeks it's still it's still possible but it's it's less likely it's very it's very less likely so I suppose a miscarriage that happens in the first trimester is is a horrible but it's a sort of a, we'd say it's a sporadic event so it's something that just happens mm-hmm. um and there's usually no real cause for it um a miscarriage that unfortunately happens in the second trimester there's more likely a reason um that something wasn't right so whether that be that unfortunately the poor baby had um, a genetic or um, congenital problem or um, mum might have an underlying condition and that's not to say it's mum's fault um, yeah. it's just she might have a clotting disorder that she doesn't know about so when miscarriages happen in the second trimester we we do a lot of investigations to try and find out why this happened whereas when they happen in the first it's it is just something that happens um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that it'll happen again and it doesn't mean that um, a full-term pregnancy isn't a possibility so we we don't investigate it and then so assuming again that you're 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 in the public system you do your 12 weeks you um you get to see the scan you get to see pictures whatever and then you probably don't come back then till till week 20 yeah exactly so um and again this is someone who's really well um and has no medical problems so you'll you'll come on 12 weeks and we'll ask you every question under the sun um, to get to know about you and you'll have your lovely 12-week scan and get to see your baby then you come back to us for 20 weeks and Caroline this is actually something I didn't realize there's some countries there's some counties um, in Ireland where that 20-week scan doesn't happen in the public system okay um, so it happens in the Dublin hospitals um, and it's it's definitely a point of controversy um, in the health system um, but in Dublin in the Dublin hospitals you come at 20 weeks and you get a big scan so this kind of takes 30-40 minutes or so and this is where the sonographer looks at the baby in details they look at their brain they look at their heart they look at their kidneys um, and they just make sure that everything is okay with the baby just I suppose to, to give it a bit of um, insight into the difference between public and private and then there's semi-private as well it can be a little bit confusing um, would you typically if you're if you're going public would you have those two big milestone scans and appointments but you'll still you'll still be going into the hospital in and around that it's just that you won't be having a scan if you're if you're public right yeah exactly um so you'll come into the the public um hospital and it it varies depending on how far along you are so you might be seen kind of every um eight weeks at the start and then as you get closer to your 
due date you might be seen every four weeks down to every two down to every one week um, and these are just to check up on you more than anything so you'll get your blood pressure checked your urine checked we'll make sure that you're happy with your baby's movements and that you haven't had any bleeding and things like that and you'll usually we'll put the scanner on more to check the volume of fluid around the baby to make sure the baby's moving but it isn't um a big detail scan where we we weigh you know we guess yeah. the baby's with them like that Okay, and that so if you're going if you're going public, um, when you when you do find out you're pregnant and you go to your GP, they will look after getting you put into the system and getting you set up that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and then if you go private, which I decided to go private, um, myself, uh, for my first pregnancy, I think, I mean, obviously people know me from my anxiety books, my anxiety podcast, um, and I just wanted to to limit the chance of 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 any kind of uncertainty and anxiety and I just decided we decided to save up and go the private route and um, so for that for people so that they're aware I I had to do my own kind of research into different consultants and ring around and they all have their own prices and then you just sort of go with it obviously it's great to get recommendations from friends and stuff but your GP wouldn't do that for you you would just call the secretary yourself of, of, a, of a consultant that you think sounds like the right fit for you right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And I know there are some forums, like I can't think of any names at the moment, but I've seen them before, um, like kind of pregnancy and um, motherhood forums. And they also kind of discuss their experiences with consultants. Um, but I think friends, especially if you've had friends who've had babies and who have gone private, um, I mean, your friends are who you trust maybe the, the most. So that's a great way to figure out who you think might be a good fit for you. Absolutely. And then for what's what I have found really reassuring about the, the private um, route is that every single time I go in, I get a scan. So my consultant said, you know, we don't want to, well, he, he's more comfortable saying we, we don't want to just guess or assume what baby is doing or how they're getting on, but we like to see it. So um, for anyone who's particularly anxious about the development or how it's going, like for me, that's been a real comfort in that every time I've gone in and, and I, I haven't been going in any more than you probably going in a, in a public scenario. I've been going in once every four to five weeks, especially during COVID. It's been even longer. Um, and it's great to be able to see see what's happening there as well. Um, can I ask you, semi-private, what does that mean? So semi-private, um, and I think this is something that's actually offered in the Dublin hospitals again. This is where your antenatal visits, so when you come in to see um, somebody during the pregnancy, that's all with a consultant. So you'll come in kind of the same kind of time frame. You'll be seen by the consultant. But when you come in to deliver the baby, you would be seen by um, hospital doctors who aren't consultants and, of course, the midwives. So your kind of your antenatal care is provided by a single consultant, but your um, care during delivery and afterwards isn't specifically provided by that consultant. Okay, and and even for me going private, I'm not guaranteed that my consultant will be there because he could be away. Well, obviously at the moment he's not probably going anywhere with the the pandemic, but um, it's really the midwives who are you know, in charge on the day of delivery, right? Absolutely. And I suppose as well, labour can take a while. So labour can take, you know, hours. And we could be talking anything up to 10, 12 hours sometimes. Um, and it's the midwife who's there with you. Um, and they're providing you um, all of your care during that. Um, it's usually the consultant will come in for the specific delivery of the baby but it's the midwife who's been minding you for the time period before that and just while I think of it um, if someone wants to find out the gender how soon can they find that out I suppose in theory you can kind of see from about 16 weeks on but it is difficult so the best time I think to ask is at your 20 week scan because they're scanning for quite a while and it's nice and detailed and also 
baby's genitalia is a little bit more developed so it is easier to see so 20 weeks is probably a good time to ask okay and then I made the decision to do some um prenatal screening tests so that I did that at about um week eight or nine and that was something that is available to everyone if if they want to do and um that's for looking at things like um the likelihood of certain I guess genetic um, conditions is that right like like a down syndrome Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So this this is a blood test that you can get. So it's completely non-invasive. All it, all they do is take your blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you probably know better. It's about I think four hundred and fifty euro. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's about that. I paid. I think I paid two fifty because I was paying for private, so they give you a discount. But yeah, it is. It's there's a set price. So kind of that that ish price. You get a blood test, and what it does is it tells you. Well, it tells you the gender if you'd like to know. Yeah, that's when I found out. Um, and the other is it tests for three conditions, three genetic conditions. So one of those is Down syndrome. Um, and unfortunately, the other two conditions it tests for, we call them, um, you might have heard of this, you know, fatal fetal abnormalities, or mm-hmm. these are conditions that the baby is most likely going to die um, at birth or soon afterwards. So, and what this test does is it tells you the, the likelihood of these things. So it doesn't tell you that the baby certainly has them, it tells you that the baby either you know, you, your, your chance of these things is very, very low, which is wonderful, or it tells you that there's a high chance that the baby has one of these conditions. Um, and I think before you get this test, what you have to consider is what you're going to do with these results. So yeah. if you're told the baby has a high chance of these, sometimes what we talk about is invasive testing. And this is where we take a sample of blood from baby's cord while it's inside you or from the baby's fluid. Um, and those tests have a little bit of a risk associated with them. So you have to consider, are you, if the test comes back high probability are you going to undertake those risks and then what you have to think about is if the baby comes back with one of those genetic conditions what would you do with that information Mm -hmm. and I think there are things that you should consider first um, before you undertake those tests but then if if you and your partner um, are happy with what you would like to do with the results and it's something you'd like to know then work away with them absolutely so just to to clarify there so the the blood test you do is just going to highlight a likelihood and then if if you then do the more invasive one that's a confirmation test absolutely that's exactly it okay um so let's talk about the first trimester now because I think for this episode a lot of people listening are going to have maybe just found out they're pregnant a lot of women don't want to share the news until they feel a little bit more confident that they're they're over that threshold of the likelihood of miscarriage but it's it's really isolating because it's all new to you you know you, you're probably feeling exhausted if you're like me and a lot of women you can be incredibly sick and it can be overwhelming how much information uh, is out there so I suppose that the, the first thing that I would have desperately wanted to address was coping with morning sickness. Um, and it hit me at about, I think, five and a half, six weeks. And I just and I always I've always had like a fear of of being actually like vomiting. So I was like so upset. I was like, oh, Jesus, I won't be able to cope with this. But it's something that so many women unfortunately have to endure. But what, why do we get morning sickness and why do some women get it and some don't? Do we know anything? Do we know why? We know a bit. So we think it's a response to the pregnancy hormone. So um, I suppose when you're in your first trimester, it's, that's the time period where that pregnancy hormone goes right up. Um, but we don't know for certain because we don't know why, we'll say you felt really sick and another woman doesn't. And we also do know that morning sickness for some women um, and the person I always think of actually is Kate Middleton. Mm. Hers continues the whole way through the pregnancy, at which stage the, that pregnancy hormone is a lot lower. So 
that's our theory, but it doesn't explain everything. So the honest answer is we don't know for absolute certain. But in the first trimester, that hormone is is it's doubling every day. Is that right? And um, we say we say doubling every forty eight hours, but yeah, it's increasing every day. Okay, and um, it's for for like, from what I was reading, week like nine or seven to maybe ten can be where it peaks, and then for a lot of women, it will start to taper off then. Yeah, you're spot on kind of age 10 weeks is when it peaks and then starts to drop. Um, and it's just that another hormone in the pregnancy takes over. And what is that hormone? Progesterone. Okay, so progesterone is our friend. Progesterone is certainly <laughs> our friend, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I, uh, unfortunately, I thought I was waiting for week 12, like it was going to be, I was going to be a new woman and it, it has continued, but I... It definitely, it went from being like extreme nausea, like all day long where I, I literally, and, and luckily I worked for myself, so I was able to be at home with a laptop. You know, I didn't have to kind of put on a face or anything, but you know, it's, it can be so debilitating and I was, I was getting sick, but n- actually not that often. But for me, the nausea was worse than the vomiting because at least with the vomiting, you get a little bit of relief for a while after. And then, then after the 12 weeks, um, the nausea eventually kind of became a lot easier to handle and, and, and less frequent. But I still get caught out even just last weekend. And I'm, you know, well into my third trimester now. If I if I go too long without food and then I put something like something kind of substantial in my stomach, it's going to come back up. Um, and if you had told me at the beginning of the pregnancy that this was going to be the case, I would have ran a million miles. I would have probably been put off doing it in the first place. But it is, it, I want to reassure women that, it, it the sickness it's not like having a bug unless you have hyperemesis it's not you know it's it's actually more of just a purge yeah exactly um and I think sometimes you hear you know when you talk about nausea and vomiting I always think people think oh it's just nausea it's, that's fine that's fine no it's debilitating it's it's a horrible sensation and it it can affect everything like it's really hard to engage when you feel nauseous um and then it can have effect your mood as well and I think women should be really kind to themselves and we sometimes get women who come into the emergency department and they're apologizing for coming in with just and they're they're almost like I'm so sorry for wasting your time and women need to be really reassured that one it is normal but two it is it is horrible um and you definitely have to do the work if you need it like at this stage now looking back I would rather and, and people say oh yeah like you say you're always oh, just just a bit of nausea but I would rather get sick once a week than have nausea and never get sick because it is so much more debilitating um and so in terms of like how to manage that um actually before I go on to that um for assuming kind of managing relatively normal morning sickness how how can a woman know that she's got more of like the the Kate Middleton H H what's it called hyperemesis H-E-G is the kind of shorter way for it. So morning sickness, I suppose, is, and it can be in it in itself as a spectrum, but you're you're nauseous and you're getting sick. And it, unfortunately, unlike the name suggests, it isn't just in the morning. Um, <laughs> and you you will be able to eat somewhat and what you will, you will not lose weight or you shouldn't lose weight. Um, when somebody has what Kate Middleton had, H-E-G, you are getting sick so often that you actually start to lose weight and women can lose kind of plus five percent of their body weight um because they're bringing up so much fluid they also the salts in their blood can start to change mm-hmm. um and that's kind of things that we can only replace through drip so when someone has HEE, they sort of they almost know about it they're they're very very sick um and often they need to be admitted into hospital with it then is there in terms of like is if you have hgg 
are you going to have it for the whole thing? I suppose some women might um, and some women might not. And it's it's only by getting through it that you find out. So poor Kate, okay. I think, for almost the whole pregnancy. Some women might have it till kind of into the teens and then it'll resolve. But it, it's hard to say. Yeah. And as horrible as it is to be to be sick in your pregnancy, because it does take from the excitement. It You don't look pregnant at that point. You don't. You just feel awful. And I, I felt I felt this kind of guilt of like, oh, I'm do do I am I not grateful and I was but honestly I felt miserable I felt awful every single day and you know it's okay to set to complain about that and to to say that that's really tough because you know if we had a if we had an injured leg or something we we would talk about it so I think it's really important that women feel that they don't have to be a martyr about it and just because of the beautiful miracle of of being pregnant in childbirth it's still really hard Uh, absolutely it's really hard (laughs) um like women can't work they can't exercise they can't go out with their friends sometimes it's it's horrible it is really really tough um and I think it it deserves a lot of attention and a lot of support yeah absolutely so my uh when I was first went to my consultant for my first appointment and that was because I was private that was at about week eight and I just said to him, I really, I'm really struggling. And I didn't know if there's anything he could do. But he prescribed me a medicine called Caravan. And I wanted to leap over and give him a kiss on the cheek <laughs> there and then. Because I just, the thought that something, the thought that something would help or the thought that I didn't have to endure this um, was just like music to my ears. And I actually, what was interesting was that before I, I kind of had talked to my GP or my, even my pharmacist when I, when I just found out I was pregnant and they were like, oh no, like you would never get that unless you were so severely ill. And my, my GP or my consultant then said, no, look, we don't want you to end up in hospital. We want to try and mitigate it as much as we can. So if people are really, really feeling bad, is that an, is that a, that a safe option that they can consult with their doctor? Absolutely. And um, I kind of resent is a very strong word. But I almost resent saying just leave, leave the tablets unless you're feeling awful. If a woman is, is having a tough time and we have these safe tablets that people can take, then I think they should absolutely take them. So Caravan is a great one. It's, we know it's safe in pregnancy. Um, for some women, it is a miracle worker. Um, mm. And it's, so it's, Caravan is a combination of two tablets. So one is a tablet that stops you feeling sick and the other is a B vitamin, um, which is thought to help, but also it kind of replaces that B vitamin if you're not getting um, a lot of food in. So Caravan is brilliant. And there's also about three or four others, um, which is really reassuring for women because for some women, Caravan doesn't work, unfortunately. And then there's backups that we can try and they're safe as well. So I think um, it's because sometimes the... GPs can be a little bit reluctant, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman is feeling crap and has not yet had her appointment in the hospital. She should come into the hospital um, by the emergency apartment, department um, and she can be assessed there and we can prescribe her tablets. Um, there's, I, I think there's no reason in suffering when we have these safe tablets available. Absolutely. And you know what? Had I known that, I don't think I would have had half the anxiety and the upsetness at that first week of feeling bad because I just thought well this is just a sentencing I have to just deal with it even if I'm getting sick several times a day I have to just be told well that's just it you're pregnant go and deal with it and that that can actually really affect your mental health as well so I really want women to know that if they're you know feeling really bad there is options out there and I remember being just so frustrated when people say oh just eat ginger nut biscuits and they just did nothing for me so like if people if people are not so bad that they need medication but they still want to manage you know the nausea what what would you recommend as a professional for for helping keep it at bay or like limiting it a little bit 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, so I've learned a lot from the dietitians. We in Hollis Street... Um, Hollow Street has a really, and I think other hospitals do as well, but that's just my experience, have a great dietetics department and, and they work really closely with women who are suffering from this. So the kind of tips that they would give is, you know, the, the really basic things. So eat little and often. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't sit down and have a big curry um, unless you want it, of course. Um, so little and often. And then the things that kind of our Irish mommies always tell you is like dry food. So dry toast, dry crackers and things like that. And then, I think the next thing is I know from talking to some women um, they're so conscious about kind of eating healthily and they're like, I'm, I'm trying really hard to eat healthily, but it's just not sitting. When you have high premises, what you just need to do is eat. So it doesn't matter that you're not getting your five a day for this little period of time. It doesn't matter if you know, you're not eating foods that are, we generically call healthy. You just need to eat. Okay. And if that means that you want to eat a packet of crisps, eat the packet of crisps your body just needs calories so what we would usually advise is just eat and eat whatever it is that you think is going to sit and that you have an appetite for and that's the most important thing you can you can worry about having a healthy diet later yeah but right now you need to eat so eat whatever you think is going to sit in your stomach and that's so reassuring because I had the palate of like a five-year-old child um, and I still, to be honest, I still do. Uh, you, you you go into it with the best of intentions thinking, you know, I'm going to have all these rainbow of, of foods and really it just nature takes over and you just have to do whatever you have to do to get through it. Yeah, absolutely. You just um, That's important as well because this is the start of where you are starting to care for someone else, but you need to care for yourself too. And that needs to continue the whole way through the pregnancy. You need to look after your pregnancy but you need to mind yourself absolutely and um, another thing that I think is worth highlighting in the first trimester and people might not uh, realize it is how unbelievably tired you can feel I was lucky in that I I'm a very tired person anyway so I didn't notice them and I think to be honest I was so sick that I wasn't even aware if I was tired because I was I was on high alert for feeling nauseous all the time I was just wired but there's an awful lot of change happening in those first 12 weeks and even though you're not carrying around a massive bump it's very normal to be exhausted exhausted so this um if you're a first time this is the first time it's ever happened to your body like your hormone profile has changed the blood flow within your body is starting to change um you're growing a human inside you know your womb which is stretching for the very first time and you've also made a placenta you know your body has gone through so much and i think it's very um normal that you should feel tired and that's another thing that 
I think women shouldn't beat themselves up if they need to take some time off work or the only thing they're doing in the evenings is lying down. You're doing something amazing and it's the first time you're doing it. So, you know, a lot of credit needs to be due there. And I just think women should be kind to themselves and expect that they could be tired, but don't beat themselves up if they are tired. Absolutely. And even for women who are maybe on their second or third baby, they are doing that while having a little toddler, probably to look after as well. Absolutely. And then, and some women are working as well. Like that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I own, I, I don't have kids actually. Um, but like I come home from work and I'm wrecked and then I can't imagine what it would be like to have kids and to be pregnant. So absolutely. I, I can't imagine how tired some women must feel. And I think that should be kind of, they should be just really, we should think very kindly of them. Okay. So then second trimester, um, I was told I would have this burst of energy and I'd feel like a million dollars and you'd have the glow and you'd be blooming. Is it, is it, is it typical that you'll feel better in your second trimester? Usually. Um, and again, not for everyone, but usually you'll kind of, when you get into those higher teen weeks, you do typically feel like you have a lot more energy for a lot of women, the sickness resolves or certainly improves. Um, and I think it's nice as well because you have start to have a bump and you might start to feel baby move and that, that's really lovely as well. So second trimester can be a nice time. And is that because progesterone has taken over the driving seat? Yeah, usually. Yeah. Okay. Um, I obviously want to highlight that there is still, I mean, you think that when you get past the first trimester, you're, you're, you're home and dry, but there is some symptoms that can arrive. I kind of feel like you get past one thing and another thing might come along. Or also let's say that you might be someone who just sails through pregnancy and doesn't have a bother. And I'm really jealous of those people. Um, but something that came along for me in the second trimester was um, a bit around ligament pain and, and actually quite severe pelvic girdle pain. So while I was feeling better, obviously the caravan had helped. My nausea was pretty much gone. Um, then I had these other things to contend with. And, you know, you think, oh, I'm, am I complaining again? But really, every stage brings a new physical change. Exactly. So... Um, you kind of referenced two of the biggest things that we see. So round ligament pain. So the round ligament is this ligament that joins your womb sort of to your pelvis. Um, and when you're not pregnant, you're, you know, it's, it's not being stretched at all. And then when you, so when you get into the second trimester, your womb really starts to grow and it comes up out of the pelvis. So these round ligaments are being stretched for the very first time and they're supporting a a heavier womb that has a baby and fluid um, and the way sometimes I think women are really surprised at how sore it is and the way I try to tell them do you know if you'd never ever done exercise in your life and then mm. you did you know you ran 10 kilometers and did you know 100 burpees your your leg muscles would be in bits and it's it's really similar to that these muscles are working for the very first time and they're working really hard so it is really sore um, and then pelvic girdle pain I suppose is so the thought process is that you know your your pelvis um it's joined together at the front by a little bit of cartilage um and when you get pregnant that that pelvis stretches and it really pulls on on all the cartilage and ligaments and I suppose that's allowing your pregnancy to grow and it's also going to be allowing your pregnancy to to come out the vaginal route um but that's really sore too and again it's the first time that this is ever happening to your body so it is really sore it has felt, I've described it like either being kicked in the vagina or as if the baby's foot is stuck down there. And yeah, it's been, it's been really tough. But then again, you know, when, if you're, 
you have to have the confidence and and the self-compassion to say, do you know what, this is really troubling me and go and go and seek help. So I went in to my consultant. I said, look, I don't want to have to put up with this. And he put me on to the physio department in the hospital. Um, and they, I actually, I was, mine was so bad and, and, and still is that I had to get crutches. And I don't want to scare people, but just for when it really flares up, I just needed crutches just to take the pressure off, off, um, off my pelvis. I haven't actually really used them that much, but I also got a great band that I wrap around, um, if I'm going to go for a walk or something. Um, so, so there is, and then there's exercises and there is, there is things you can do. And like, cause I, I have been sharing everything on my social media the whole way through. Um, and the amount of people who say, Oh my God, me too. I'm right there with you because for so long all we saw of pregnancy was just a positive confirmation test we're so happy this is amazing and then here's the baby are we so lucky and so grateful and as much as I don't want to scare people I, I want women to feel that and, and their partners you know whether they're male female or whether they're doing it solo to to feel that it's okay to to kind of struggle through it and, and to vocalize that absolutely and I think you kind of you said it earlier in the podcast, you know, you're supposed to feel grateful and of course you're grateful, but you can also feel like crap. Um, and I think a lot of it's stemmed. I suspect a lot of our grandmothers probably suffered a lot in pregnancy and just got on with it. And I think it's sort of an Irish thing as well, where you just get on with it. And it's because it's this natural, lovely thing, um, which it is, but it's hard. And if there's solutions to these things, then we should take advantage of those. And you, you correctly kind of identified all the things we do for um, pelvic girdle pain. So physios are absolutely brilliant and they can give you loads of exercises. Um, and they can also give you bands or belts. And what they sort of do is support your bump and support your pelvis. And they can, that alone can offer women a lot of relief. Um, and then in some, in some bad cases, crutches give you that, that kind of support that you need. Um, yeah. And obviously that, that can be scary, but if they, if some that can help you then that's brilliant yes okay and then in terms of feeling the baby move um it was about week 22 I think for me and I I I remember googling which is obviously the worst thing you can do um like when should I start to feel that and I was like oh am I is it a little bit late for me but then I realized when I went into the hospital my placenta was sitting to the front and so there was like a bit of a buffer there and now when I did start to feel it it came on and you know, it's been, it, thankfully, it's, there's been lots of activity um, ever since. But it, roughly, when is it normal to start feeling the baby move? And, and is there a time when you should be concerned? Yeah, so we kind of say anything from 60 to 20, 16, sorry, to 24 weeks. <laughs> Don't tell it, me it's 60 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and typically what you'll find is women who've had a baby before will feel the movements maybe a little bit earlier. Okay. Um, so 22 was, you know, completely within the normal limits. What we would like is for you to feel movements by 24. Um, and if you don't, I would kind of recommend linking in with your doctor. And sometimes it's it's what you've described there. It's that you have your placenta on the front wall. And the placenta is quite thick. Sometimes I'll show it to women when I'm scanning them and I'll say, look, this is how thick your, your abdominal wall is with your skin, fat and muscle. And this is the size of the placenta. And sometimes it's bigger than that. So when baby's kicking it, it's almost cushioned. And then other mm-hmm. things, I suppose, baby's back might be to your front, which means that the kicks are going backwards and you're not feeling it and things like that. So there can be a few reasons why it can be normal, but we just like to have a little look kind of coming up 24-ish weeks just, just to make sure everything is normal. Okay. And then as your pregnancy progresses, um, I you're advised to just keep an eye on that the movement is is regular. But I think a lot of people panic about that and I mean there's always going to be well assuming all is is well there's movement but they also sleep in your belly too so 
so it's not like if they're not having a party the whole time it's, it's not necessarily but a lot, an awful lot of women um messaged me to say that they and they felt they felt they, they said they felt really stupid about it but they they that they came into the emergency room being worried about not feeling um movement but my consultant said to me if you don't feel movement and you're worried just come in no one's going to judge it no one's going to think there's any that you're being silly so you know do do take action if you're concerned mm-hmm. and i think in the last years there's been a really big um movement to encourage this and it's called kick count and kicks to count um so kind of after 28 weeks your baby's nervous or kind of nerves and brain are really starting to develop and what they will start to do is develop a pattern and there's i have women who come in and they tell me they're looking up what's normal on the internet and i don't love that what's normal is for what's normal for you and your baby um And that's different for every woman. So some women, some women might feel no movement during the day and then baby has a party at night time. And that's what's always happened. So for that woman, that's normal. Um, so from 28 weeks, I would always tell women to start listening into your body and seeing what's normal for your baby. And then any variation from that or any time you say to yourself, hmm, I'm not sure, I'd recommend you try, kind of try one thing first. So what we would say is to have a cold or sugary drink or you know like an ice cream lie down on your left side with no phone no company close mm-hmm. your eyes put your hands on your tummy and give it plus 30 minutes because as you said babies have sleeps usually the sleeps last 30 to 40 minutes and not longer so if you come up to the hour and you're still not happy with that baby's movements and you're still worried i would go into the emergency department and you must never feel silly um, when baby's inside you and you're at home, the only way we have to check how baby is, is the movements. So if you're not we're happy about those movements, I would get it checked. And you might be told, you, actually what happens sometimes, and it's, it's great, is women will say, oh my God, while I'm sitting here, baby's having a party yeah. and I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, no, this is the best outcome. I'm so happy. That's brilliant. Um, we're delighted when baby kind of makes a liar out of you almost. Um, but come in, we can do a trace of baby's heart and scan baby and either, you know, we'll say, look, come in and stay with us so we can make sure everything's fine or we'll say, no, that is a really happy baby. And you get that reassurance. There's no point in being at home and being worried. Yeah, I think because, you know, these shows like One Born Every Minute or we think that, okay, the medical professions are just so like desensitized to the fact that every woman or like it's it's so common but but for you if it's your first time everything is new to you and you don't know what's normal and what's not and it can be really unnerving and I think we need to move away from this feeling of of apologizing or feeling guilty for you know and and the thing is I haven't actually obviously given birth yet but what everyone tells me is you know the midwives and everything they're just because they're doing it all day every day doesn't mean they're not um really compassionate with you and they're not really sympathetic with, with what you're going through because it is your first time mm-hmm. absolutely I remember I'll, I said it actually to someone yesterday it was when I was in college and it was it wasn't related to pregnancy it was just from a different lecture and they said to never forget that even though all of these things are my every day as a doctor for the patient it is not their every day yeah. um, this is new and scary and it's actually something that's really stuck with me um, and it's really important to remember okay and then the third trimester I'm gonna have an episode that will focus on preparing people for labor and all the things that can happen there but just as, as a general overview um for me I, I I started to feel tired again and um you know your your bump is getting bigger and physical discomfort and stuff so what's kind of what can we expect in general from the third trimester yeah so it's uh, things get more difficult so I suppose um sleeping is difficult um you a lot of women will say you know I have three or four pillows around me to try and get into a comfortable position 
getting up and moving around is difficult. You feel big, you feel heavy. Um, you can feel quite tired. It can be difficult to continue with, you know, working. Um, if you were exercising, it can be difficult to continue with that. So it's kind of a real physical discomfort if that makes sense absolutely and then the for me the heartburn got just I I thought I was getting away with murder and then on week 30 it kicked in and it was so bad and I'm you know what I'm so glad because I've been sharing it on social media so many women have been like try this or you know this really worked for me and I didn't even think there was a apart from like you know gab has gone or something which wasn't really doing much for me I didn't even I just again I was conditioned to be like you have to just get on with it but then I I asked my consultant about it and I said look I really just don't want to have to deal with this all day and all night and not sleep for the next 10 weeks I want to try and feel a little bit good before my baby comes along and he said oh absolutely try this and he prescribed me low sec or l-o-s-e-c and I cannot believe the difference it has made in in just two days so again, another problem, but there is other options and solutions. Absolutely. And actually, that's just another thing to say with the hyperemesis. Some women, because they're vomiting so much or because they're getting so much nausea, they can get a lot of heartburn as well. And low sec um, is completely safe and is another one to try. And so at any stage in your pregnancy, if you're really suffering from heartburn. And again, this is kind of, I think sometimes you think, oh, heartburn, no big deal. Heartburn can be absolutely horrible. Um, and again, there's there's a safe solution for it. So um, don't suffer alone um, and ask for help, especially when the help is there. I was just, I was so surprised to be told, you know, like, oh, here, just try this. Because I, I, I don't know, I feel like you always, with maybe with your GP or something, you feel like you need to really make a case for it. And I'm going and be like, no, you have to really dramatise it. But just like, no, do you know what? It's, it's hard enough. Here's, here's something that might help. Give it a go. It's safe. And the most important thing is that it's safe. Yes, exactly. Um, and I have found that just some pharmacists are a little reluctant to give it. Um, so your doctor can give you a prescription um, and you know, even write a little note that you know, they're an obstetrician and they're very happy for you to take it. Um, and it is safe. And if you do see any reluctance, that doesn't mean it's not safe. I think it just means some people are super cautious with pregnancy, but it is absolutely safe. Okay, perfect. Um, so courses and classes to make expectant parents feel a bit more empowered. Is there an ideal stage of pregnancy when you want to start doing classes or that kind of thing? I remember I, I signed up for a it was just like a two hour thing and it was it was about when baby comes like how to bathe baby how to um how, the position they have to sleep in or whatever and to be honest it was almost too early that it, it went in one ear and out the other and now I feel like I can't even remember is there is it are you better off waiting until closer to the time for those things I suppose kind of you can kind of there's different sorts I suppose sort of antenatal classes so if you can get one where they're almost time you know broken up by time then that's great and some classes can kind of talk you through all of this and then when you're coming into the third trimester you can go to those ones that tell you about labor and delivery and then yeah. the afterwards saving baby so if you can kind of do them in an order that is where you are at in your pregnancy then that's probably the best way to do it okay so maybe get some of the information in second trimester about you know uh when the baby comes and then towards like so for me now I'm going to start a hypnobirthing course um because I do notice myself um, starting to feel a little bit, uh, and I've been really, I think I have been, I've I've been really calm mostly about the labour thing, but now, now that it's getting closer, I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure that like I'm looking after myself. Like you say, you know, my, my mental health, my well-being is just as important as the baby's. So for me, that is something that I feel makes more sense now that I'm actually feeling a little bit of anticipation than I would have in the second trimester. Yeah, exactly. I think that's I think that's the best way to do it. Okay, and then whatever hospital that you are signed up with, they all they all provide um, antenatal classes. Is that right? 
Yeah, exactly. And I suppose it's changed a little bit in the COVID era. Um, instead of attending a lot of these classes in person, they're online and that's that's different. Um, but I, the hospital, I think, have responded really well to the pandemic and they're now yeah. offering the So it is just different, but they're still available. And when in the pregnancy should you start thinking about your wishes around giving birth, whether it's a, a home birth or a hospital? Now, for me, I, I haven't um, I, ha- I don't have a birth plan. Because in conversations with um my with different women who were scanning me on my consultant, I just said I actually don't know, and I don't know. Maybe it's a bit more of a trend to come in these days with you know your ten page birth plan. I said I just want to whatever is going to be safe and healthy, and you know nature is going to going to take over. That that was just for me, Isaac. I don't really have any specific ideas in my head of what I want to happen. I just want to be safe. So I, I'm I'm hoping just to go into hospital and and take, hand over the the trust and the care to the professionals. Um, but if, if someone is thinking about you know well this is really what I want, like when when would you start? Is that something you think about early on? any you know any stage so some if some women feel really strongly about things that might be in the first trimester um and for some women they might not have really thought about that because they're just getting accustomed to being pregnant and it might be something you actually think of in the second or third trimester I don't think there is a definite time you need to think about it I think you you can do what's right for you um I suppose if you're thinking about a home birth it might be a good idea to think about that a little bit earlier because Mm -hmm. Um, I know for the HSE, there's kind of certain women who um, are not suitable for a home birth. Um, so that might be something to find upsetting to find out quite late. So I would kind of have an idea if, if you want to have a home birth versus a hospital birth to consider that a little bit earlier on in the pregnancy. Um, okay. Other than that, I think there's no time that you have to think about it. And again, as well, like what you said, if you have no preferences, that's absolutely fine too. So I don't have to go in with the plan. I can just say, look, I'm just going to follow your advice because you know better than I do. You can just say, I would just like me and my baby to be safe. Please mind us. <laughs> and that's yeah. More than- yeah. And something I have already made clear for, for me personally is I'm like, I am all on board for the pain relief. And he, my doctor just said, just make sure when you come in and like, again, this will be a have its own episode, but just to really vocalize that you do want those things um, and not to be shy about saying what you want. And, and nothing, nothing will happen without your um you being aware or your approval when you're actually when it, when it when push comes to shove literally um something i did want to ask you but before we wrap up um uh c-sections in ireland um is it possible to elect one now or is it always a case of it being it has to be done because of something like a breach position or an emergency section so it is it is possible um but what you might find is that there's a, a lot of conversation around it so i suppose when if a woman say she, it's her first time um and baby is head down and she would like a cesarean section um there'd be a lot of conversation around that so what we would try and explore is why um specifically she'd like a cesarean section is it like she's afraid of labor um and is there anything we can do to address that so there'd be a lot of conversation around that and i suppose there would also be a lot of conversation around the risks associated with a cesarean section um because it's important to remember cesarean section is major abdominal surgery um, so it is a big thing to undertake but yes if, if that is something you want um, you're fully within your right to request it and and to go ahead with it but to just know there would there would be a lot of conversation around it and I know you are a big exercise fan uh, I have been enviously watching your your stories of going for runs because my pelvic girdle pain has been so bad um, I have been told you know even anything more than like a 10 minute walk is going to exacerbate it so I have really missed exercising but 
but for people who aren't suffering with that to that extent, exercise is totally doable throughout pregnancy as long as you're feeling well. And as, as, is it right in saying that it, as long as it's something that you were doing before and you're not introducing an entirely new regime? Exactly. So they're kind of the two things you want to tick. One is that you feel well enough to do it. And two is that it's, it's what your body's used to. So, you know, if, if you don't run when you get pregnant, I'm, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing a 10 K plan then. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But if you were an avid runner, absolutely work away as long as you feel well enough to keep doing it. If you were doing weights before you were pregnant, absolutely keep doing it. Um, And there just might be some modifications. Um, So a good idea in pregnancy is to, to continue as you were plus or minus hold back a bit if you don't feel up to it um and then for women who who maybe didn't exercise and are just conscious that they'd like to get some movement in pregnancy walks are perfect um they're a great way to get you know kind of some light exercise in um you get outside into the sun um so i think i always recommend walking to women when they're not sure um and don't want to take on anything too strenuous walks are a brilliant idea that's really reassuring because i think you know a lot of women feel maybe even from a um a weight gain perspective i think they need to be doing everything to to, to like limit that for and recovery after birth and stuff but it's been hard for me as someone who had really started to exercise had become a real normal part of my life like you know in the gym three times a week um, and and now i have to kind of accept that as, as much as i'd love to be doing that i'm dealing with something bigger here and i haven't been able to exercise as much as i'd like to or really at all apart from doing i've done some very gentle uh, pregnancy yoga and very gentle walks and that kind of thing but it's if if you're advised to do more resting because of what you're dealing with that's okay as well absolutely and i think you just really need to listen to your body your body will tell you what you're able for and what you're not um and it's a it's a really good time to be mindful of that okay and i suppose before we wrap up just your general advice for for women who are feeling a little bit overwhelmed at the beginning of what can feel like a very long journey with you know an awful lot of unknowns are we best to just take each week as it comes are we you know we're obviously we're obviously built for this I myself have adopted the approach of a need-to-know basis like I I haven't actually found that researching and knowing everything that could go wrong that to me makes me anticipate things going wrong so I have found that I'd rather just confront every day and what it brings as it comes to me and and only really make myself aware of that which I really need to be aware of but what would what would your advice be for 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 reassurance yeah, so I've kind of had a few different things. So I suppose while pregnancy is natural and you are built for this and you can do this, it is it can be hard and you need to be kind to yourself. You need to not compare your body to others. Um, and pregnancy really highlights that everybody's body is different and it reacts differently. So your friend might have sailed through it and you might be having a tough time and that's not something to beat yourself up about and you need to be kind to yourself. You should ask for support wherever you need it. And whether that be mental or physical support, um, reach out. Do not suffer in pregnancy alone. Um, And then just to trust your body. Um, While it is brand new and it is hard, um, our bodies have been doing this for years and they are able for this. Um, And your body is going to do it. So kind of just to trust that you can do it amazing dr sarah murphy thank you so much you have answered every single question so beautifully and i feel like there's so much in this that would really help women feel like okay this is the one episode i can go back to if i'm unsure and to give people an idea of pregnancy at a glance so i can't thank you enough for your time and your expertise when i know you're so busy and you're you know on the front line you know essential worker at the moment making such a difference to so many people's lives so um so thank you so much 
from all my absolute pleasure. It's kind of one of my favorite things to talk about. So I'm, oh, I'm and, and that really comes across <laughs> as well. So thank you. No, I'm very happy to talk about it. It was, it was a pleasure to be on your podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 